Hello, it's Jack Tutor from Attention Magazine. Welcome to Crucial Listening, the podcast where I speak with musicians and sound artists about three albums that are important to them. My guest this time is Laura Luna Castillo, who was situated in Puebla, Mexico when we spoke for the podcast, but as I'm recording this now, is now based in Seattle. We spoke shortly after the release of her record Tuberose on Whited Sepulchre, which is an incredible record, one of my favourites of the whole year, and in fact I only loved it more for speaking to Laura about it. It has this really fragmentary nature to it, this sense of different speeds of passing time, different spaces, different interiors. She talks during this podcast about the connection between the record and the illusion of the perfect memory. I think that was so enlightening to to hear about. And we had a really nice conversation about her three important records as well. Laura sent me this wonderful document of notes that she'd made prior to the podcast, which was beautifully written and gave me so much insight before we talked. This conversation was wonderful. Again, we seem to touch quite a lot on memory, the subjectivity of retrospect and subjective experience. I just loved hearing her talk. It was such a great conversation. So you can check out more of Laura's music over on Bandcamp. I mean, there's certainly one for Tuberose at lauralunacastillowsr.bandcamp.com. I should also shed light on a recent compilation she was involved in called Remembrance Species 2020, which features 46 pieces and was curated by Bell Lungs of Remembered Species Scotland and Laura as well. And all proceeds from the album are split between an axolotl conservation charity in Mexico City and also a seabird conservation charity in Scotland. So it's a really wholesome, awesome project. Lots of great names involved in that compilation too, so do check that out. I'll include a link in the show notes along with other links to Laura's music and her picks as well over at attentionmagazine.co.uk forward slash crucial listening or on your podcast app. Cool. Hope you enjoy this one, the last crucial listening of 2020. Thank you very much for listening this year. Please do rate and review. I hear that helps. And please enjoy this conversation with Laura Luna Castillo on Crucial Listening. Welcome to Crucial Listening. Hi, Jack. Thank you so much for having me here. (laughs) Thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Now, you have chosen three important records for us to talk about. As we were discussing beforehand, you have given me a wealth of information to to dive into, which I've had a fantastic time with. (laughs) Uh, We also need to talk about your album, Tuberose, which I've been really enjoying as well, which was released recently on Whitehead Sepulchre. And... First question for you is, how long did it take to put this release together? When did you start working on it and how long did it take? Um, well, I usually uh, start working like a year before. like So I started in 2019. Wow. And uh, it's very organic. My process with, this, with these tracks was... Uh, some of these tracks were born uh, from audiovisual projects or performances that I, I was working on. And, uh, you know, from having that visual side, the, the, the sound just constru- got constructed almost on its own. Mm. And uh, another other of the tracks, I was finishing them uh, right at the beginning of the pandemic, you know, around March, uh, May, June. <laughs> yeah. And so it is, it is a strange um, mix of um, mental states, I think, uh, 
just finishing all the tracks, uh, starting in one reality and then just wrapping up the album, uh, you know, with all, all the stuff going around. So, yeah, I, th I guess it took me like half a year probably just to start to, from start to finish and uh, probably much more uh, before that, uh, just um, getting, you know, like the concepts or the ideas behind, uh, behind the, the sounds I wanted to achieve. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned in particular three books, I think, fed into Tuberose. So could mm -hmm. you tell me a little bit about those and, and how they give you the sort of conceptual underpinning of the music? Yeah, well, there is... Uh, I always get so inspired by, by books. Like, uh, I'm really visual uh, when I'm reading. So every time I read something, I'm always, you know, creating these images. <laughs> And so I think it is a, a very strange mix uh, that I had with these books. Uh, the first one was The Art of Perfumery, the Extracting Odors, and it's basically like a cookbook, like a recipe book for extracting odors and pressing plants. And, um, and it's, it's very technical, but at the same time, because of the time it was written, um, it is just very poetic, the way it's written. Mm. Uh, so I was, when I was just reading it, I was just having these images you know, of, um, you know, just trying to, to preserve something like a purity of an essence. Uh, but in order to preserve that, there is all this journey you know, of adding all these other things. Uh, so in the end, that essence is just basically an illusion you know, or a trick that mm. is is achieved by using all these other smells and chemicals. And so I found it really, like the parallels for me were very obvious uh, with, in terms of how the memory works. Mm. Um, and that kind of lines the way for the next book that really inspired me, um, which is called Proust was a neuroscientist by Jonah Lerer. Le <laughs> yeah. I really don't know how to pronounce his last <laughs> that name. That sounded good to me. <laughs> um, so I think these two books tie so well together uh, because um, in this book, Proust was a neuroscientist. They're talking about all these uh, authors or you know people who were working with senses like smell or taste. Uh, they had somehow... Um, they were ahead of their times in terms of what neuroscientists were about to discover in terms of how memory works. And so uh, they are, uh, there is a very nice passage where they, they are talking about a chef who is obsessed with uh, getting the essence of a, a dish, no? and it's all olfactory. And they're saying, no, in order for this chef to get that smell, that essence of that amazing dish he spent... Uh, you know, hours preparing. Mm. He had to add all these other ingredients that <laughs> just to make that perfect smell, you know, of like a steak and they've added like vanilla and, you know, things <laughs> that wouldn't go into a steak, but it's just to increase that, that memory, you know, that image. Mm. And so I find it really interesting just that play, that play between memory and imagination and uh, aspirations, no associations, and I think that's uh, those two parallels between those books. Uh, I found them very poetic at the same time and very evocative. Mm. And in the end, uh, I was really thinking of Tuberose as an argument against the search of the perfect memory. You know, it's like that acceptance of of there is no no such a thing as a perfect essence or. Mm as a perfect remembrance of, of, a, of a moment or an experience. Yeah, feels like a really interesting time to be fixating on the nature of memory. I think, I don't think I'm alone in experiencing the last 12 months as a complete and utter time warp where, you know, anything prior to March could easily be two three years ago you know if I didn't know any better um mm -hmm. and to hear that you were composing a work that straddles that boundary is really fascinating I'm curious to know what was it like 
considering memory and these kind of topics whilst putting together a work that sort of dealt with that time period and composing before and after that divide and sort of revisiting ideas that you were generating, you know, prior to the pandemic taking place? Like, did that evoke much for you? Yeah, I think uh, it's been a very interesting process because uh, since the time I finished the tracks, and, you know, there's always this time where mm, you have to, like, wait until other albums are released or, you know, there's always mm -hmm. this time. It's never fresh out of the oven. Um, so I really had time to sit down with, with this, these tracks. And it has been very surreal because I think they've also evolved. The ideas I had, I went into by making them, you know, the, the original ideas I had. They really worked, like you, you mentioned, um, now that I, I hear them again in this context that we are all in. Mm. And um, I think there's always very uh, something very introspective with just the, the fact of being at home. You know, there's always these talks about, you know, idle, idle introversion or, you know, this constructive boredom that you only get to do at home, uh, and, and I think because of the rush of the, um, you know, how our lives were, you know, back before all of this happened, uh, mm -hmm. I think that was, uh, well, it still is uh, to a certain extent, but that, but that was more a privilege, you know, that you could actually just stay at home and just kind of reflect on, on things. Yes. past and memories and so I think what's, re what's been really interesting for me is that it's, it's become a more widespread experience I think more like a global experience that you know we're having these vivid dreams like a lot of people comment on that yes. and, uh, and for example some people are um, rediscovering objects, memories uh, old iPods that have like these time <laughs> capsules just because you are at home and you are like well let's uh, clear the clutter or you know so you yeah. are like a lot of people are having these experiences of like discovering little time capsules or time machines you know that just somehow got lost in, in the clutter of the house um, and I think that's that's also one of like the main essences of the album that have always inspired me like uh, those little residual memories that just get lost, you know, they get lost in a pocket of time or mm. somewhere in the house. And then when you find them again, they just res resurface. Uh, and um, it's, it's really uh, inspired by, for example, uh, Proust with eating the Madeleine, you know, and how you can just have those little glimpses of, of memories. Mm. Um, so I think this album has also gained new significance for me as well. So I'm like, as I've been listening to it, uh, you know, progressing through these uh, strange times as well. I think it's this idea of, you know, like the, the elusiveness and malleability of memories. And I, I think the, the more time we have uh, of being introspective of, of kind of letting us uh, go within those memories. I think the, the more we start like discovering strange associations, no? like almost like a, a synesthesia that we didn't know we had. And, yeah. um, and I, I find that really interesting. And uh, I do find that uh, a little bit with, the, with this album with Tuberose. And well, also I've had that experience with, uh, for example, the three albums that I, I've chose for today so yeah I mean it's just been very very strange to think about these experiences and you know the impact it's having on our memories there's one more question I wanted to ask about tuberose because I mean I mentioned it in my review as well and it still juts out as I listen now the second half of the track this process is conducted cold feels mm -hmm. from my end as a listener like something quite anomalous something feels very singular about it compared to the other sections of the record which have this very fragmentary nature it feels like a real anomalous moment of clarity i'm just intrigued to know how 
you perceive that moment of the record and whether or not it juts out as particularly different from the rest of the record for, for you as well or that's just how I'm receiving it? Uh, no, uh, I yeah, I was really really happy to to read your thoughts on that track um, because I hadn't thought about it like that, like in those <laughs> words, <laughs> which is I mean it's always really interesting. I my kind of my idea when I was or the the mental image that I had um, it was uh, you know thinking about these processes of you know extracting odors or. Um, I was thinking of, you know, when a, a material or an object or a molecule has reaches this uh, perfect temperature mm. where time seems to stop and it just seems like, like you can grab the molecule or a moment, no, because it's so frozen that you can see everything, no, that is like this... <laughs> This clarity, yeah, I hadn't thought about it. I was thinking more like uh, like this perfect moment where um, everything is stopped and suddenly you have a few glimpses where you can see everything at once um, because of it has reached a perfect temperature uh, that is obviously not gonna last, you know, it's just... Uh, <laughs> so I was just thinking of this process, not almost like an alchemy, Mm. alchemist process of you know just reaching that kind of like golden moment towards a, a process uh, uh, in in our memories no like this kind of clarity uh, but thinking it as if it was uh, this chemical process uh, but it was really really interesting to read what you were saying because uh, it is in in other words it is uh, the same as I was picturing you know, in my mind <laughs> this moment of yeah this kind of anomaly that is 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 really so after but very rare you no know? like just this kind of like a piercing moment that suddenly mm. manages to break through so I, it was it was really interesting thank you <laughs> no not at all and i'm so glad to see other people seem to be resonating strongly with this album i've seen some really positive feedback um it's an amazing record i really implore people to check it out we should talk about your important records laura now the first question that i like to put to my guests is around how you thought about the term important when you came to your selection so sounds like there was a specific way you understood that term or a place you took it in order to come up with this list so i'd love to hear about that yeah well i um, I mean, I chose them because I think I'm in a very specific uh, state of mind um, mm. recently. Uh, but I'm all, I also chose them because they are really albums that I, I just don't get tired of. Um, that no matter what year or where I, in what stage of my life I am, I just keep coming back to them and they still resonate in some way or another. Almost like, like books, no? When you read one book when you're a teenager and then you come back to it when you've grown up a little. Yeah. And <laughs> it, it still resonates. And, and those are the books that you, you hold the most dear no, to, to you because they just keep uh, growing up with you. Mm. And um, I think uh, I chose these three albums because I think there is... Uh, there is this grittiness and chaos that you can feel um, like in the structure, in the images they evoke, in the, there is this uneasiness that uh, they make me feel. And there is always this dissonance uh, gravitating around melodies or bright sounds no, that sometimes ch that, like chime or appear uh, out of nowhere within the sound. Hmm. And I chose these three albums because I, I really like albums that are, they, they are cinematic to me. That mm. when I listen to them, I immediately, you know, like uh, start day, daydreaming. It's almost like when you read a book or it happens so easily, so naturally that you don't have to um, like force your brain you know, into, <laughs> into a state where you can listen to these albums. Yes. And I think that's, uh, that's really something that that I love about it, you know, this honesty um, 
I think all those qualities really draw me in. And I also chose them because I think, at least in my experience, I think they do have some, they follow some, like a narrative for me. Like when I listen to them, uh, sometimes together, uh, when I think of them, uh, I like to think of them like they have some kind of narrative that they work uh that works for the three of them so i also <laughs> chose them because of that <laughs> nice well i'll let you pick whichever one you want to go for first if you give me the name of it and then a little bit about why it's important to you as well uh okay so i think um the first one i would like to talk about is uh this album called uh, come home by golden living room i actually stumbled upon it in a very strange way like yeah. to reddit <laughs> uh, because i often surf reddit just sometimes for some inspiration um I, I just like to read some posts and i do sometimes get like uh, some ideas for music and stuff uh, but i stumbled upon this narrative this weird narrative that was hidden in the comments that um started in 2016 but i found it a bit later I, I guess towards the end of 2016, beginning of 2017, like, like a lot of other people that just stumbled onto this narrative hidden in the comments, like you just get so like sucked into the narrative that you were just, uh, <laughs> you know, every, every link that will appear, uh, you just follow it. And that's how I stumbled upon this amazing record uh, ever since I heard it. Also, with the context of that original narrative that was linked to it, and uh, as I've matured, as I've uh, you know matured ideas and everything, this album just keeps propping up in my imaginary. And uh, I really love this, really love this kind of sounds that they can migrate to other narratives, to other visuals, and I think that's why I I really chose it. Um, because it's, it's also an inspiration in the way it makes me feel, makes me, you know, very quickly switch to an imaginary state of mind. Mm. Um, like very quickly I can, you know, abstract myself and just enter into this strange place evoked by these sounds, which are, you know, very, very strange at the same time, um, very familiar. It has this uncanny familiarity uh, like you're watching some commercial from the 90s or yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I don't know I, I think it does have um, so many incredible details uh, and the more I listen to it the more I hear you know these little little nuances and these little details uh, in the sounds in how they loops layer together or yeah, I mean, um, I think that's why uh, it's one of, of the three albums that I chose. Mm. I mean, you say that it places you in your imagination. Can you tell me about what kind of scene this record is bringing you into? Like, what is it in your mind's eye that you're seeing while listening to Come Home? I think there is this uh, strange, familiar and cruel optimism within it. <laughs> uh, there is this kind of like the stillness of the mundane mm. that I think uh, I think everybody has experienced uh, in one way or another. But there is this sense, you know, like a, like a home atmosphere, but it's just stale, you know. Yes. And, uh, and if you will see the um, the cover of the album. I mean, that living room just, <laughs> I think that's also very, uh, a very powerful collective memory yes. that is sometimes it's even appropriated, but it's just very powerful uh, image. Um, so it really brings me back to this kind of, you know, consumerist uh, home. Mm -hmm. uh, you feel it with objects, you have pictures of relatives, you have uh, medals, trophies, and together with that you have toys, and you know there is this messy everyday that you just exist through that messiness. <laughs> and at the same time, there is this, uh, you know, these memories just 
gravitating in that stillness of the everyday, of the domestic. And I mean, for me, it has really specific images um, about that, you know, about this uh, staleness mm. of, of the everyday. And I really love that. I, I do a lot of artworks as well. I've done a lot of artworks uh, and my thesis <laughs> dealing a bit with this, uh, these feelings of, you know, cruel optimism. There is a, by um, this book by Lauren Berland also called Cruel Optimism. And, you know, they, they just discuss these strange feelings of uh, failed utopias, you know, mm. within our everydays. And I, I think this album really brings that out for me. Yeah. This, I mean, hearing you talk about it and reading your, your thoughts on it as well while listening really connected a lot of things for me in terms of how this record made me feel as well i think mm. what you say about the uncanny is so interesting because i guess even the very notion of it referring to home feels jarring because you can't have like an archetypal home right i mean it's either a, a mm -hmm. house or it's something that you can connect with personally specifically to your experiences and then it becomes a home like this idea that there's a home that could exist within shared consciousness is kind of eerie in itself um <laughs> and this is sort of where this record seems to to exist when i've been listening to it over the past couple of days i mean certainly it's it seems to be an album that's affiliated with like the vaporwave I, i've heard it referred to as like oh. dream punk and so i mean is that somewhere yeah, that you've yeah. kind of probed into as well laura I like some some works of paperware. <laughs> <laughs> I like some of its aesthetic sometimes. Um, and but I, what I really like is uh, I'm glad you mentioned it because uh, I think it wraps up um, with that idea of that uncanny mm -hmm. of of the home of those, those sort of uh, you know an uncanny failed utopia and. Uh, I think at the beginning of uh, you know all the, the the first works of paperware, you know they have this kind of aura of disappointment, no, mm. with uh, with consumerism, and it was like like a, a disappointment, but at the same time a nostalgia to go back to that, <laughs> yeah, like maybe to revisit what went wrong in the nineties, <laughs> you know. Uh, because it made us feel great, you know. We had the internet. We had uh, suddenly so many products we can buy, you know, and mm -hmm. make our lives nicer, uh, supposedly. But uh, then here we are in 2020. <laughs> 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 um, so I think there is this... Uh, I really like those concepts of vaporware, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, I think... Uh, you know, Golden Living Room uh, was one of the the first ones, and in my opinion, like one of like deepest uh, pieces, like artworks or sonic compositions, to think of those themes, you know, of those disappointments. Mm. That are like I think those feelings are very strange to pinpoint from my experience talking with other people, and you know. Uh, so, because it's so widespread in the internet as well, uh, I mean, you can find that these this are feelings that I think most of us share or have shared at some point. You, mm -hmm. These feelings of disappointment, of what to do next, yeah. you know, uh, of having so many things we bought, but nothing really substantially changes in our lives, in our prospects, you know, yeah. and I think it's just, uh, I think it's just such a, such a strange feeling to pinpoint in words, but for me, sonically, uh, this album manages to do it. Like, I listen to this and I feel it, I feel it like that, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting because I often feel like that as um, an escapist, quality to it although it's so much more fraught than that implies when you put it like that right it's not just you know hitting the ejector button out of your present it's so much more emotionally complicated you yeah <laughs> you're taking the present <laughs> with you when you go um 
So you mentioned that you have some favourite tracks on this record. Um, which ones particularly protrude for you? Um, my favourite, well, one of my favourites is Come Home and Sleeping in the Night and then Flying in Your Sleep, which, uh, well, that's another thing that I love about this album, that, you know, there are these sounds that just are repeated in the tracks. And mm. it's like, it's not like the tracks were split in the middle, but you do feel that there is this sort of continuation in the in the sound. So sleeping in the night and flying in your sleep, you know, it just feels like this long story that you're being told. And uh, and my other uh, favorite one is uh, Supreme Onlooker. <laughs> nice. I mean, how much do you know about the creation of this record? Because I know that uh, with a lot of music that's kind of connected stylistically to to vaporwave, that it's exclusively sample bass but is this played on live instruments or I, I don't suppose you know uh yeah i've read that that uh, actually what made it really like stand out it was that that you know because a lot of vaporware is uh, loops mm-hmm. you know samples uh, from videos or like youtube and stuff like that and uh, what made this album also really stand out, it was that uh, they were using instruments right. uh, most of the time. And, but they sound like loops, you know, like there is this familiarity that you might hear some of those sounds right. uh, in a 90s app, but they're actually made with instruments. So I think that's, uh, I think that's what also made it this, um, you know, I think that that's also what makes it have this impact emotionally as well because it's uh, it's almost like that picture I don't know if you've seen it um, where this AI generated this image where you sort of think you're seeing something familiar right but you just can't realize what it is so, uh, <laughs> and they're saying it's like that uh, that experience of having a stroke you no know, that you just can't really tell what you're looking at but it looks familiar right i think in some of these sounds there is that that experience to it like they sound familiar but you really don't know how what are they where are they coming from to your second important record now um again i'll let you pick which one you want to talk about if you give me the name of it and then a a bit about why it's important to you as well okay um so the the second album i picked was uh it's called uh, mystery oats by core of the coleman and this one was released in 2020 so i think it's like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think it also resonates uh, quite a lot uh, with me just because of, of the year. Now I see just 2020 is uh, <laughs> <laughs> a bit a uh, strange number. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I started listening to this uh, yeah, right in the pandemic lockdown here in Mexico. Mm. Um, and I, I've, I've been listening to it quite... Uh, repeatedly, you know, just while reading or just trying to to have a breathe for the day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I really fell in love with it because I I just felt like every time I was listening to it that you know they are like little snapshots, like each track is like a like a snapshot of like visions of of memories. Um, and but I, at the same time, I really like how. Uh, you know, these, some of these sounds, like they're just walls of guitars and mm. reverb. And they have this, at least for me, they have this quality of like grandiosity, you know, like they feel like they are growing in the space and mm-hmm. filling up all the space. Uh, but at the same time, they feel like memories. Uh, and I, I was just thinking, you know, like they, um, there is like for me, they're like just memories that they just keep growing and growing as you remember them and change them and idealize them uh, <laughs> so much that they just make, become these mythical images, no? This, uh, 
they they came from little bits of memories until they evolve, you know, mm -hmm. uh, into this massive visions and I really like that about the album that it has this uh, you know there is this like uh, the same with like with Golden Living Room I think there is this melancholy and you know this kind of disappointment in in the images but at the same time there is this like clash of you know mysticism and the mythical of the sounds you know mm. because how how large they grow as as the as some of the tracks evolve. I also like the artist behind it, which is uh, his name is uh, Jorge Beringer, um, because he he was also my teacher, and um, he is actually the person who encouraged me like to start doing music. Uh, because before I met him, I was really. You know, I was just going towards cinema and photography, <laughs> and I had never stopped to think that, you know, sonically, you, you also can have very interesting narratives and, and visual narratives as well, you know, even if it's only a sonic input, you know? So, mm. um, and uh, he's also... I mean, uh, an inspiration to me, not only this album, but all other work he's doing. Uh, <laughs> and that's why I also chose, chose this album. And I also started reading this uh, amazing book. <laughs> yeah. uh, I started reading it while listening to Core of the Coleman's uh, album, uh, which is called A Space on the Side of the Road by uh, Kathleen Stewart. Mm. And um, I really recommend this book. It's, uh, it's cultural poetics. Uh, it's really beautifully written. And it just creates these amazing images of, of what, what we were talking about earlier, about you know, the mundane, the stale, the, the optimism within all of those everyday feelings that we just can't really pinpoint. Mm. Um, so I think... Uh, listening mystery odes together with this book, uh, it just makes made me like visualize everything uh, exponentially. It was uh, it was really inspiring for me as well, uh, not only sonically but you know with the ideas that I, the images that I could see as I was reading and listening at the same time. <laughs> I, I'm intrigued to dig into this idea of these this music as. As memories, what is it about? I don't know if this is possible to articulate even more than you already have so eloquently. But what is it about this music which generates the impression of being connected to memory? Like, is there? I, I don't. I don't know what characteristics is it that that um, Jorge's pulling on in order to to generate that sensation? Because I know precisely what you mean from listening to it, but. I'm intrigued as to whether it's something that can be pinpointed. Um, I don't know. I it's uh, because it, it's such a personal experience. Mm. I don't know if I can. Uh, maybe when I listen to it, uh, somebody <laughs> else will be like, "What?" <laughs> you know. Um, but I think for me, it's, you know, that similarity with uh, what we were discussing with um, Golden Living Room, mm. that there are these sounds that you recognize. And, uh, you know, even uh, I think without realizing some of these uh, guitars or melodies or even uh, the, the voice, you know, the tone of the voice or the, the pace of the tracks, I think uh, sometimes subconsciously we already associate them mm. with certain images, with certain memories or even... Uh, you know, appropriated memories, like things we've seen on movies or things we've read about. And I think subconsciously, <clears throat> I think we already have those associations. And I think that's the case uh, with, with, um, with Jorge's album, with Mystery Oats. Mm. I think there is this, uh, because of these sounds that also, they are familiar, but at the same time, not. You know, they yeah. have this hazy distant uh, feeling of, of them that you cannot really pinpoint you know, are there two guitars, is it just one 
is it one massive uh, river on top of a river, you know, and they are just <laughs> canceling each other or adding to each other. Uh, uh, so I think there is all, all this like ethereal speciality. Like mm. when you listen, when I listen to it, um, there I think like I I get this like space, like sonic space that is just growing and growing. For me, like those are the beginnings of uh, like the qualities of you know like um, like listening to places of memory, you know, like mm. entering into somebody else's uh, little snapshots. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> because, uh, yeah, I think they feel so honest and that's why I think they really, they can really grab, grab you as the listener uh, and create your own mythologies as you're listening to them. And, but there, at the same time, there's also something really personal about them. Mm. Uh, that you also feel a bit like a voyeur, you know, like you're just uh, intruding into somebody else's, uh, you know, somebody else's thoughts. And I really, I think that's, that's really what I like. And I think, I, I don't know if I could explain it uh, in any other way, um, because it's very subjective, I mm. think, all that experience um, with memory and what what triggers uh, memories yeah. or what can trigger images, evocative uh, feelings or even moments of synesthesia, you know, like that you're listening to something and that you, you feel you've seen, uh, you felt already that sort of sensation while listening to music. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's really very subjective. But I think the the melodies, the distorted guitars, uh, the voice, I really like the the tone and the bass of the the singing, and it really resonated with me uh, with a with a quote from this book, uh, "Space on the Side of the Road," uh, which is like, um, you know, there is a dream that somewhere out there in the space of marginalia and eccentricity. There are places still caught in the ongoing density of sociality and desire, places to which we might return in mind, if not in body, in search of redemption and renewal. And I, those two words, redemption and renewal, and just like going to those places, mm. I think, at least for me, in the way these sounds are layered, you know, there is this combination of haziness, grittiness, but at the same time there is like brightness in all of them uh, I think it just summed out uh, the album for me so well Wicked, amazing answer the phrase ethereal spatiality that you included in your notes and touched on there is, I think is so interesting um, and in these early experiences of listening to the album myself I think that's something that's really protruded for me already how with seemingly so few elements there's this obfuscation of what is where. I mean, it certainly feels like a record that being, you know, a lot of the time just voice and guitar, usually that's something that feels very rooted in location and it just doesn't have that within Jorge's music. It's really quite disarming, especially over headphones <laughs> when you expect to be able to point at the sound and say, that's where it is. Y mm -hmm. You can't do that with this record. Yeah, yeah, I think there is this elusiveness mm. in all the sounds and... Um, and it just drags you in because you are like, like you say, just trying to pinpoint it and you just can't. And it's just, just uh, it's like somebody's dragging you in deeper. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Jorge being your teacher and mentor. Was there anything specific you can convey as to what it was that he taught you anything, any like prominent takeaways that you still think about now? Uh, yeah, well, I started, uh, we had this class, well, he was teaching a class about, you know, experimental sound, and we had this little assignment of going around with our recorder around the city and just record, you know, field recordings, and it was really my first experience, you know, just, uh, like, taking some samples and then trying to do something with these uh, noises, you know, that... For me at the time, I really didn't have much uh, like like appreciation mm. for how these sounds can really bring you back to a moment 
or an image. Uh, for me, they, I was just recording, you know, uh, dogs barking in a park or <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> or stuff like, or, you know, like ambient noise when you go to a supermarket or a shopping mall or in a train station. And I was just recording all of this. And, uh, and I remember when we were back in class and just uh, working with looping, that suddenly just all clicked for me. Mm. <laughs> and uh, till this moment, I, I still love using loops. And what really clicked to me is uh, that I could just uh, uh, construct these loops, with the, which some of them had different tempos and, you know, totally different tonalities. And you could just let them evolve on their own, mm. even if they were just one second loop. And then they would start creating on their own these uh, patterns that started to be quite interesting. And, uh, and he really encouraged me, you know, to keep pursuing that, those explorations um, with loops, with, uh, with sounds, uh, that how uh, a sound that can be very, like, you think is very inconsequential because it's one minute long. Suddenly, when you make it <laughs> a second, suddenly it just... It just has something, something that that works. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, so I think um, you know that encouragement really, uh, really was eye opener for me because I, I've always been trying to do that with cinema, um, and just discovering how sound could could also be, you know, edited in such a way, like images. It was really, really something for me. Brilliant. <laughs> Um, and if we're going to play a track from Mystery Oats here, which one would you like us to play a little clip? Mm, um, oh, it's a hard, tough choice. <laughs> <laughs> um, between Annie on the Coast or First Ray, so I'll, I'll let you choose. <laughs> Nicely done. Well, let's go to your third important record now, Laura. Again, if you could give me the name of it and a bit about why it's important to you as well. Okay. Uh, I don't know if I'll pronounce it well. (laughs) (laughs) I don't blame Uh, you. But I'll try. If not, you can correct me. (laughs) (laughs) So the third album is uh, Nerian, Genesis Terrain, (laughs) Uh, by Bad Consolidated. (laughs) Nice. And I don't know if I said the title all right, but... (laughs) Uh, And I really... uh, The reason why I chose this album, um, you know, together with the other two we've been talking about, is that I I really felt that uh, that I was listening to, like, three different temporalities Mm. in in these three albums, and that this one really felt... I think it, it felt very contemporary, like and a very personal struggle mm. that I can relate as a millennial as well. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I thought uh, in the previous two albums, I think like I could think of like a stillness uh, that we traverse as we as we hear the sounds, as the sounds break and loop into each other. You know, like the golden living room is that uncanny of the familiarity of the home, like a distorted memory of it. And, um, and Mystery Oats is, uh, you know, it's like this, the ordinary getting so distorted that it just becomes mythical. But there's still this stillness that we kind of go through. Hmm. Um, and, uh, well, this introversion, I feel, I really feel this kind of introversion. Uh, but this album by Bad Consolidated, you know, it feels like the opposite, like the temporalities are totally reversed. Mm-hmm. Like it's you who are still and all these things and sounds and information are just like 
you know, piercing you and traveling all over you. And you just, you know, it's like this pandemonium of things just that you cannot grasp that are just going all around you. Like the cities, like being in a city Mm -hmm. or being in a shopping mall and just having all these like sensory inputs and you just don't know what to do with all of these. (laughs) Uh, So it just feels like that. It feels like this, uh, the total opposite of in terms of temporality of uh, of experienced tempos no within our our lives and and that's really something that that grabbed me mm. and as i was mentioning I, I was kind of thinking like of a narrative and for me it was that you know those three temporalities coming together like you know like the the introverted uh, boredom uh, uncanniness or nostalgia and then you have the aspira- aspirational um, domesticity you know and then mm-hmm. on top of that with this album is like the overwhelming you know reality that is just as we are right now it's just um, mm, you know you're just thrown into into the chaos right. <laughs> there is no home there is no home anymore it's just information all around you <laughs> yeah yeah which i guess seeks nicely into the i mean the concept of this record you mentioned that noel has written and recorded this album from the perspective of a, a millennial and mm-hmm. she explains that it's connected to this idea of generating a millennial mythos i mean mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on that is that an aspect of the work you connect with as well yeah, I, I found that really, I found that really interesting and a really amazing concept when I read it. Because mm. uh, I I heard the, the music first and I was already having these sort of ideas just because of the, you know, the samples, the loops, and you know the, the whole kind of feeling you get from listening it. But then I just uh, read, uh, you know, like a, the little description, and I was just really. It was just a, like a, added a, a different level to mm. to what this album meant for me when I was listening to it, and uh, I just really love how um, she explains, you know, that that we are caught between the past and the future, you know, uh, and I've always liked this concept that you know uh, the eternal present, you know, mm, yeah. <laughs> that uh, that we're just living in in that, and it's it's just became. Um, you know this hyper object that we just can't escape. We like we feel we are inside it, but it's so big we just can't really grasp it. So we just <laughs> go on our lives, yeah. uh, ignoring that little itch that you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I really, I mean, I can really relate a lot. Uh, I think not only millennials can relate. I think. This is uh, this is uh, something that can go beyond that generation, I think. Mm. Um, and I really, what I really like is that that uh, mythology, and I think it, it sits so well with the other two albums because this is kind of like a mythology of the idealized self. I think mm-hmm. you know the idealized millennial millennial lifestyle (laughs) and I just really like uh, how she says you know um, when she's talking about uh, that her track named uh, Medulla Mm -hmm. where she's like I pictured a Boltzmann brain appearing at the Big Bang with the personality of a millennial Uh, the great (laughs) the great filter climbing the walls of the biblical bottomless pit (laughs) it's great yeah. Yeah, I love. Uh, I really like the cynicism um, combined combined with like the, the stoicism right. of uh, <laughs> just existing in modern times. I really love, uh, you know, that realization. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a nice line where it's like this album is copying pasting my peers into Dante's Inferno or the Bible, and seeing uh, yeah. what happens. It's yeah, great. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, you mentioned this is, you know, a sensation that isn't just specific to millennials. And when you talk about that idea of the eternal present, that makes total sense. Is there something specific about being a millennial which potentially generates this sensation even more 
perhaps just the fact I, I don't know I mean there's a lot of literature out there I haven't read much of it yeah but you know about how uh, I guess we are just more culture recycling and maybe there isn't a space in which you know millennial generation exists in its own right and it is right yeah. for being just vanquished <laughs> to history so do, do you think there's something specific about being a millennial that that that, that makes this feeling even more potent I think it's um, I think it's because we we are more aware that um, you know when we were born there were uh, all these utopias that were created in our parents generations mm. when we were born they had also started to fall apart you know yes. like um, and I think we are aware of all those things I think we are in a sort of limbo as millennials because we had a little taste of what it was to have, you know, um, illusions for the present, illusions for the future, you know, because our parents were giving us that confidence mm -hmm. uh, of you can be whoever you want to be. You know, we grew up in a security that no other generation had mm -hmm. when we were children and teenagers. Uh, but then suddenly we are now in that limbo where all of that security is basically, you know, it, it was uh, an illusion right. all this time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I think, I think maybe that makes it, uh, I think that because we are realizing this, mm. I think there is this, uh, I don't know how to say it, like uh, this illusion mm -hmm. with what our parents and, you know, what we saw when we were growing up in the media, uh, you know, in, in consumerism, you know, in terms of our identities, in terms of uh, who you could become, no, when you will grow up. I think that's why it makes it uh, like, you know, that we are, we can feel more that, uh, that sensation of being stuck in a sort of limbo or in the in the constant infinite present you know that we are just jumping from present to present and it's um it feels a bit uh like a daydream no to, yeah. to think of of uh, future or the past and and i think it's really interesting all these uh i think all these mythologies that are being created about the past mm -hmm. about the 90s and the 80s uh, and, and I think it's not only the millennials, I think the earlier generations as well, uh, the Gen Zs, you know, there is all, there, I think there, we are experiencing this kind of nostalgia. Mm -hmm. uh, it goes back really to, to memory, you know, like the, we're seeking for a perfect time. Uh, but I think there was never a perfect time. We, we just idealized it and distorted so much. You know, it just becomes this mythic, utopic past that we have and we lost. And uh, you know, it's just such a strange, uh, it's, it's such a strange uh, age to to be alive. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And this record definitely feels like exemplifies that as well. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Big time. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, I think what is kind of. Uh, funny, well, not funny, but <laughs> interesting, I think, is, uh, you know, uh, a lot of millennials went through the emo phase, right? Right, when we were yeah. Teenagers. <laughs> uh, but I think now, as we've grown older, we've just gone into the hedonistic phase of, <laughs> you know, uh, well, it's just enjoy life and try to be kind to each other and... That's it, because what else? Right. <laughs> and I, I just find it a bit uh, funny that that jump, you know, uh, because there is this sort of, um, you know, like tro trolling, like this sense of trolling as well mm -hmm. in 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 uh, bad consolidated uh, yes. and the description, you know, like trolling ourselves. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I just I, I, well, one one question I wanted to ask about this. I can totally see, for example, over this period of um, lockdown, where something like "Come Home" would exist in your home listening. Like again, it's something that you can really bed into within the 
stillness of being trapped at home. Same with Mystery Odes, that I can totally understand. This record by Bath Consolidated sounds so frenetic, and I think (laughs) thinking about (laughs) where I've been over this lockdown, and I guess, you know, as we were talking about... um, Quite intense dreams has been a facet of this lockdown experience. This almost like mm-hmm. the this deprivation of stimulation. I feel like that this record would send me into some kind of crazed overdrive. I mean, where does it fit into your home listening at the moment? Is it a record that you can listen to comfortably while we're in the midst of this this crisis? Yeah, I actually um, I really like it because I do think it draws. Um, especially like you mentioned, uh, in contrast with the other two albums. Mm. I think it did draw parallels uh, with uh, like a lot of, I think what a lot of uh, people are experiencing. Uh You know, that you are still in your house. uh, You know, the days just become this blob of, you know, day, night, day, night. (laughs) (laughs) But at the same time, because we have the internet, which is, uh, you know, if this mm-hmm. pandemic had happened in any other time, I don't know what, how we could have done it, because <laughs> <laughs> we, we wouldn't have the internet. But I think the internet, you know, you are in this stillness, this stale uh, home version of your life, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but at the same time, you go online, and there were all these other things happening, yes. you know. It just felt so chaotic so like uh like I, I i still have it but for example there was a moment at the at the peak of the pandemic here uh where nobody could go out uh and i was like i had signed up for like 10 events that were <laughs> happening online uh at the same time you know? <laughs> uh, so it was this uh, you know this formal, no, like fear uh-huh. of missing out, and and I think I really love that parallel with this album as well, you know that, mm. and I think I don't know if it's only me and like some complex, uh, uh, you know, like inferiority complex or uh, how do you call it, like the, you know, like you're faking it till you make it, or you know, <laughs> like you have that feeling that everybody else is doing stuff yeah. except yourself. Yes. That everybody else has stuff going on, even in a pandemic. How is that possible? <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, and you feel this uh, this stress coming yeah. out of nowhere. It's just like this self-imposed stress of I have to do something, I have to study, I have to be productive, and and uh, and it's something that a lot of people were mentioning. I read many articles, you know, of people just using that about Mozart, for example. He wrote. Uh, he was like he became a genius during the pandemic and (laughs) you should do that too Uh, uh, so I think it just fits perfectly this album you know Uh, uh, at the same uh, like on a physical level you are standing still Mm -hmm. but on um, on the interwebs (laughs) uh, there is just all this messiness and all these chaos and all these like aspirations that just can't reach. You're just you. You feel like you're just standing still, you no, know, taking pictures of your dog. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I think that's why uh, I really liked that contrast of uh, these three albums together. feels like a wonderful place to bring everything together i mean one question i also like to ask is if you really want to listen to a record one of these records or any other and appreciate it as much as you possibly can give it as much dedicated time and attention as you can do you have a particular setup or routine or place that allows you to have that kind of listening experience 
Yeah, for me, it's... Uh, well, before the pandemic, it was just when I was, uh, you know, on the bus or in the train mm -hmm. and going somewhere or even just walking, and uh, even though, you know, it's, not, it's dangerous if you're walking with earphones. But for me, that was, <laughs> re it was really the best, uh, you know, just be walking because you abstract yourself of, of an action and at the same time you are just listening very attentively. Uh, so that, I, mm. that works really well for me. Uh, but at the same time, I... I really enjoy just reading with with these kind of tracks. Mm -hmm. uh, I I find it for me like uh, when I'm making my own tracks. It's like if I can listen to my tracks while I'm reading and not be thinking like, oh, that loop sounds strange, or <laughs> oh, I need to fix that. If I can just sit down and and read and really get into the story while I'm listening. For me, that, that's a, a done track, or oh, it's done. Brilliant. <laughs> and I love that. when I listen to albums and I, I do get that abstraction right away, uh, uh, that's, I think, like a very nice way to listen to, to these kind of albums. Fantastic. Well, Laura, it's been wonderful. Thank you so much for digging into these records, into your own recent record as well. I've had a great time speaking with you. Thank you so much. I, I had a great time too. <laughs> and if people want to check out your music, like I say, they should definitely check out Tuberose, but you have other works as well. Where's the best place for them to head online? Uh, uh, it can be my webpage, cool. which is uh, lauralunacastillo.net or in Bandcamp, uh, just uh, with my name and cool. <laughs> on the search <laughs> bar. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you once again to everyone listening. I'll see you next time. Goodbye. Thank you. Bye.